The Old Pre-Meds Podcast, session number 256. You're a non-traditional student entering the medical field on your terms. You may have had some hiccups along the way, but now you're ready to change course and go back and serve others as a physician. This podcast is here to help answer your questions and help educate you on your non-traditional journey to becoming a physician. Uh, welcome to the Old Premeds Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week for the Old Premeds Podcast, where I take questions directly from the non-traditional premed discussion at premedforms.com. If you have a question you want answered here on the podcast, go over there again, premedforms.com. Register for an account if you don't already have one and ask your question. That's where we pull the questions for this podcast. Before I jump into today's question, I want to ask, have you checked out Mapped? Mapped is the new technology platform that I co-founded, and it's only been available now for a few months, and we have well over 2,000 students using Mapped every day to help on their journey to medical school. Inside of Mapped, you enter your courses, your activities, your MCAT scores, your letters of recommendation writers, and all of your other contact information. And with that data, you will soon be able to get feedback on what you have told us, what you have put into Mapped. If you're supposed to start medical school in 2022, which means you're applying in 2021, and you have zero clinical experience as of November of 2020 as we're recording this, then MAPT will throw up a flag and say, hey, you don't have any clinical experience. Have you thought about X, Y, or Z? And did you know that it's a red flag if you don't have any clinical experience? Or we can let you know, hey, your GPA isn't on par potentially to where it should be. Here are some things to think about. We're building all of that stuff now, and it should be ready to go in MAPT in the next few weeks. Go to mapped.com, register for an account. It's free for two weeks. Again, that's mapped.com. Start entering your grades, your, your classes, your letter of recommendation writers, and everything else, and let Mapped help guide you on your journey to medical school. As of today, our development team is starting to work on advisor access. So if you're an advisor listening to this, or if you have uh, access to an advisor, let them know. Let them know that Mapped will soon be available for advisors for free so that the advisors can log into Mapped and help track their students better and easier than ever before. Again, Mapped, M-A-P-P-D dot com. Our student today is a vet who is looking to change careers who has a good science GPA, but has a lot of failed classes. I was, t I was the typical, I don't know what I want to do type student in college and wasted a lot of years not taking school seriously. I failed and withdrew from so many classes and those decisions are coming back to haunt me. As a psychology major who finally figured out where I can serve best, I've displayed an awesome upward trend in my last credit hours. I took biology and chemistry and got an A and a B, but my earlier non-science failures are hanging over my head. I'm leaving active duty service to solely focus on post-bac options and continue to build up my extracurricular activities. My question is, would a formal post-bac offer more credibility and help me avoid doing an SMP? Would it be better to plan on doing a do-it-yourself post-bac and then do an SMP? 
It took time to make these mistakes, and it will take time to overcome them. Looking for the most efficient way to move forward. Thanks. All right, so this is a great question, and actually a a very good question, because we talk a lot about this for MAPT members. We do Ask the Dean every Monday as a Facebook Live for our MAPT members, but those episodes are then released on YouTube and then as podcasts as well. And this question comes up a lot. And, and in that uh, in that podcast, in that series, it's myself, it's Rachel Grubbs, who is my co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years experience in the test prep world uh, for the MCAT more specifically. And then it's Dr. Scott Wright, who's the former director of admissions at UT Southwestern and former executive director at TMD SAS. And this question comes up a lot. Do-it-yourself postback versus a formal postback, which is the core of what this question is. Now, there, I think there's some, some false logic here that says if you do a do-it-yourself postback, then you're kind of relegated to do an SMP. And I, I don't, I don't, think that logic really holds. An SMP is just like a postback. It's just a different type of postback. There are undergraduate postbacks, which I will tell you are the preferred route for most students. And there are some caveats, which are mostly around financial obligations and being able to pay for a postback. An SMP is a master's program, and you can usually qualify for student loans for a master's program. Whereas a postback, you typically can't. So a lot of students who need that financial aid to go back to school to do this, they focus on SMPs because they can do the loans. If you can, an undergraduate postback is preferred. And this is not just me again. This is Dr. Scott Wright, former director of admissions at UT Southwestern, former executive director at TMDSAS, where he had relationships with every medical school in Texas, all the public ones uh, at least. And the reason why that is, is because master's programs are just typically at a different level in terms of what the grades are, who qualifies for it, if you're actually going to do well. Most students do well. Like if you finish a master's program, you're probably going to do well. An undergraduate postback, most medical schools look at your undergraduate GPA to determine your capability of doing well in medical school. And an undergraduate postback will help go toward your undergraduate GPA. So what ultimately the question here is, what's the difference between a do-it-yourself and a formal postback? And at the end of the day, there's not much difference. The biggest difference is you're probably going to pay more for a formal postback. You may have more resources at a formal postback, meaning more test prep resources, more advising resources, but that's not always guaranteed. I, I've been talking to a lot of students at one specific school who they're stopping their postback program and the students aren't getting everything that they were promised because the program's dissolving. And so students are scrambling to figure out what they should do. There are plenty of do-it-yourself postback opportunities where you're basically another student at a four-year university and you potentially still have access to the pre-health advisors there. And so you may get advising that you need at a do-it-yourself postback that you may not get at a formal postback. So there are lots of caveats in and around. It's just going to come down to what programs work the best for you, both location-wise, timing of class-wise, and financially, all of those questions come into play. Is one better than the other? 
at the end of the day, probably not. Right? Maybe there's a little bit more weight given to a formal postback because the school understands what that formal postback is, the requirements in place, what it took to be accepted to that formal postback, et cetera. So maybe medical schools will give more weight to that. Some formal postbacks even have linkage agreements with medical schools, meaning if you do well enough, your GPA is good enough, your MCAT is good enough, you may get an automatic interview or maybe even an acceptance to medical school. Don't let the allure of linkage programs draw you to a school into a program that you may not do well at. A lot of students, and I've had this conversation way too many times, a lot of students will go for the program with a linkage above and beyond a program where they would have shined because of that that carrot hanging in front of them going, ooh, a linkage, automatic interview, automatic acceptance. And now they go to a program where they're not going to thrive. Their grades are going to suffer. Their MCAT's going to suffer. And now they don't even qualify for the linkage. Go to a program where you're going to thrive. Don't go just because it has a linkage. So random random side topic about linkages in this general conversation about do-it-yourself postback versus formal postback. Really, the, the heart of this question, though, is in the title, 13 failed classes. What is that going to do? Now, this student is super lucky that these failed classes are in non-science courses. At the end of the day, you're going to have to talk about them somewhere in your application. You'll be fine, though. I, I have a, a friend who had 16 Fs, and she is in medical school right now. You can overcome them. There will definitely be questions about them, but you can overcome them. So as long as you own your story, as long as you own your journey, you'll be okay. Hopefully that was helpful. Again, if you have a question here for the old pre-meds podcast, go to premedforms.com, click on that non-traditional pre-med discussion and ask your question in there. And don't forget to sign up for your free two-week trial of MAPT at mappd.com. Start tracking and navigating your journey to medical school. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the old pre-meds podcast. This is MedEd Media.